the world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve 8 from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layer timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve 8 is available from $995. Current users can download the update for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagic-design.com What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, I'm your host Gordon Burkell, and in this episode we have Jeffrey Wolf, editor of Billy Madison, Holes, Life with Eddie Murphy, and the recently released Bachelorette. Now, you're probably wondering where we've been for the last couple of weeks. Well, Lauren and I, we had to travel to the States a bit for Richard Monroe's wedding. So if you if you listen to the podcast, you know that Richard is our co-programmer. And so we'd like to congratulate Richard and Caitlin. They're right now, they're in, in Hawaii and uh, enjoying themselves. Now, in that time, we also released an email interview that we did with Jeffrey Ford. And Jeffrey Ford cut The Avengers. So you can check that out at aotg.com slash cutting room. The other thing we have to bring up is that we teamed up with that post show. In that post show, what we do is we promote each other's work. You see, we realized when we discussed our podcast that because we don't use the term editing in the title and, and in certain metadata, we don't appear when people search for us. So when we talked about iTunes and how it works, we need people to vote for our podcast. So we need you to go to iTunes, give us a thumbs up or a a good review, go to that post show, check it out, and give them a thumbs up and good review if you enjoy them. Also, if you are interested in that post show, their upcoming interviews include Alan Bell, which was just yesterday, Brian Mulligan, and Mike Seymour and Mark Andre Ferguson. Now, Alan Bell is an interesting one because he actually cut The Amazing Spider-Man, which just came out this summer. So make sure to check all that out. Also, make sure to, uh, like I said, go to iTunes and vote for us and for that post show. In the meantime, I'm going to jump into our interview with Jeffrey Wolf. The first part's just a 10-minute intro. We'll have part two and three in the coming weeks, as well as a recap of IBC. So, please enjoy my interview with Jeffrey Wolf. Could you tell me about your background and how you got into film editing? When I graduated from film school, my grandmother asked if it wasn't too late to be a doctor, but I was a journalism major and then a film major. Um, I came out of school with a BA and started organizing film festivals, independent film festivals in New York. And I met someone who um, was on his way on location. He asked me if I knew anything about being a grip, and I said I didn't. And he said, go to the equipment house and ask for... Sal or somebody like that. Just ask them a million questions and see what you can figure out. So I went to the equipment house, learned as much as I could about how to be a grip and went on location. First time they asked me to get something, I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) I went to the truck, looked around, I finally asked someone. And in the the process, um, kind of got to be on set, got to be there all the time and, and see what was happening. And a neighbor of my mother's, which is how a lot of things work in this business, had a brother who was working on the taking of Pelham 123, the first oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one, not the yeah. second one. <laughs> um, he was in the sound department, and I went to visit him. 
and he hooked me up on a movie called Mikey and Nikki, which is John Cassavetes, Peter Falk movie directed by Elaine May. And I, Elaine, back, this is a few years back, and, but they still, in film, shot over a million and a half feet of film. And we had a room, a giant room filled with trims and outs. I used to have dreams at night of being on a beach by myself with racks and racks of film trying to find outs and takes and things like that. But I really came, I really did sort of the, in features pretty exclusively did Apprentice, Sound, Apprentice Picture, Assistant Sound, Assistant Picture, Associate Editor, Editor, a little music editing in the middle. Could you give me a sense of... Uh... Well, I mean, the, big, the biggest thing... I haven't done that much episodic television. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did a show called The Equalizer. Mm -hmm. And that was a good example of a real episodic show. It was an hour, 48 minutes. The producer said, don't tell me there's a problem unless it's going to be something that will prevent it from getting on the air at the required time. There were many times where we were broadcasting right out of the center wow. at CBS, right onto TV, because that's how tight he liked to keep it. Um, a pilot is a very different thing. Mm -hmm. A pilot is making a half-hour movie in eight days, yeah. and because it, there's a script, but there's and a concept, but there's not really an idea of how the characters are going to work and what's going to happen. And as you can tell by looking through a lot of the work I've done, they're they're often character-driven comedies. Mm -hmm. And so when you do a character-driven comedy, you have to set up the characters first. And that just takes a, you know, it takes a little time. So a show like Andy Barker, we worked, God, like day, it was day and night to sort of make that happen. And interesting story is that it was produced by Conan O'Brien and it starred and Andy Richter and they were very tight. And when the studio turned it down the first time, Conan got on the phone and actually got them to go back and look at it a second time. Wow. And it got, and it got picked up. That, that doesn't happen very often. No, no. Speaking of Conan O'Brien, because he was the producer, creator, and one of the, the writers, did you find that he was very hands-on as a, as a creative, or did you, was he more just sort of an executive producer removed? Uh, he looked at cuts more than, he wasn't a day-to-day hands-on. Yeah. There, there were everyday producers they're a part of that, but what, what people don't realize about comedians, because I've really been through all these places like Saturday Night Live and Conan, and the reality is, is that they're all playing characters. Those aren't the guys, the guys yeah, yeah. you see on TV aren't the guys who you're dealing with. And so um, it, it's really Adam Sandler, he's not the guy you see on, um, in the movies or on Saturday Night Live. Um, I mean, you, I can go on and on about it about when these actors turn on. And I mean, one, you had a question about the rep, which we'll get to later, but Dennis Leary was a really good example of that, but we'll, we'll get to that. How do you approach balancing the relationship between producer, director, and others in the cutting rooms when, when moments aren't working or there's a bit of tension because of deadlines? Those kinds of deadlines, I haven't had that much in my, in my life where there's somebody over my shoulder all the time. I mean, the only thing I can kind of relate to that and, and that's not to say there's no deadlines or people aren't hassling you and that, and that there's no politics because there's tons of politics. But like, for instance, I remember I did, um, I did a thing at Saturday Night Live called Mr. White. It was Eddie Murphy dressed up in prosthetics. It's one of the, his first prosthetics job kind of things that he did, which was interesting because when I did Life, it was a direct relationship 
in this, because I came from features and I was used to looking at the material a lot beforehand and getting my chance at the material beforehand, I managed to sneak out the raw footage of everything they shot on the Eddie Murphy thing. And so at home, this was before, you know, you could kind of put it on your Final Cut Pro or whatever, I paper cut a cut. So I go into the studios at NBC and I'm like 10 cuts into the piece when people woke up, you know, and they, they actually panicked because I had gotten too far ahead of the producers and they, it like made them incredibly nervous. So we kind of had to go back and I had to kind of walk them through it. So I think one way that I've always managed the politics is by not just staying ahead of them by working harder, but by staying ahead of them by thinking through sort of all the different agendas of the people in the room. So, and, and that's why it's so radically different. different. You have different producer-director relationships. You have different editor-director relationships. But I've never been an editor who, when a director says something, I don't say, are you sure you want to do it that way? You know, are you willing to listen to another option? And I, I tend to do best with those kinds of guys. And, and I actually, like on a, on a movie like Holes, was hired to do that. It was like to go in a room and, and just send out contrarian cuts of what, you know, we cut it, there were two editors. So one, the editor and the director would do, the other editor and the director would do like a cut. And then I'd take it and I'd go, what if you did it this way, you know? And, yeah. and then the director would sort of ponder that. And sometimes he'd take one or the other or combine or, it's actually something which we'll talk about later, as I got into directing, I found a great value in leaving people alone to do what they do and then kind of comparing and taking the best of both things. Well, it kind of makes sense. Even now, you could do as many cuts as you want with the Abbott or Final yeah. Cut. You just... If you, you have to really be trustful of the people you're working with to do that because otherwise it just gets into like, well, there's no time, we'll just do it my way or... If you really have the project's interest at heart, it's really interesting what you can come up with. For television or anything like that, or even, I guess, certain features, if the time is over or past the delivery, like in television, we need at 22 minutes or 46 or whatever it is. If you're over, what are your approaches to getting the footage down to meet the, the time requirements, but also keep the story? I look at the script beforehand and I say, if they shoot this script, because I just did an episode of Royal Pains not that too long ago, and it was written long. So I knew that maybe whole storylines would have to go. But the director was such that you could kind of work through, you know, like you kind of work through it and then you figure out which is the story. That's one approach. You figure out which is the one you can live without at that point, or which is the one that was too complicated to shoot in a way that that was really effective and you cut down on that. I think that as an editor, you really can feel the pace of what a, a show is supposed to be. And if somebody says it's 48 minutes, you can kind of come pretty close to that. I often think about scenes, not just in movies, I mean, not just in TV, but in movies, that I'll cut, if I'm cutting dailies, I'll go to that essence of the scene because I won't necessarily mark it with a red pen, but I'll know what it is. Yeah. And I'll tend to try to make that work and then build out from it rather than building into it. Because, to, you know, I, as an editor, I can't wait to get there. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that it's right. And then, like, I kind of consider what the different possibilities of the setup are. So, like, you, so you just cut the essence of the scene and it's like, okay, we can add to it type right. thing? Okay, wow. Or, or 
I'll cut the essence of the scene rough to get to the middle or, or wherever the moment of decision or the important moment is. And then I'll work really hard on making that the way I want it to be. And then I'll kind of go back over it again and kind of change out takes sort of geared toward making the structure. Because I'm sort of, a, this, of the elegant school of cutting, you know. I, I like things to have a certain pace and rhythm to it. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, jump cuts are fine. Don't, don't get me wrong, I, I use them too. But I, I feel that a movie and a show has to exist in its world as a whole. So that was my interview with Jeffrey. Now, if you're wondering where Lauren is, she is at work. It's been a long week. Like I said, we were just in uh, Ann Arbor and Detroit. If you have any questions, you can always email us, info at AOTG.com. I'd like to thank Jeffrey for allowing me to interview him. Make sure to join us next week for part two. I'd also like to thank the American Cinema Editors and Jenny McCormick. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.